So the movie clip you saw was from a movie called Begin Again with Mark Ruffalo and Kira Knightley. And Mark Ruffalo is a down-on-his-luck, down-and-out record producer that has signed several artists in a row and failed, and now he's drinking himself into oblivion at a bar. And he hears Kira Knightley, like, struggling through this song. The, the, the end result of the, the symphony orchestra playing along with him wasn't what was going on in, the, in, in actuality. She was a little off-key. There was some feedback in the system, and, and nobody was paying attention. Everybody was drinking and talking, and by the end of her song, nobody had heard her. But he hears her, and he, he sees something that, that nobody else would see. And his experience and the artistry that's built up in him causes him to start hearing, hearing this overture, start, start to hear the arrangement that nobody else hears. And as you saw, he stood up and, and started playing the piano in his mind and playing the violin and the cello in his mind. And, and eventually he comes to her and says, I want to produce a record with you. And, and they talk and they produce a record throughout the movie. And I don't want to spoil it for you. And it has one of my favorite endings of any movie I've ever seen. And I, I can't vouch for the family friendliness of the movie because I watched it through filters. So if you turn it on and your kid's in the room and it's awful, not my fault. Um, but man, it was a powerful movie. And the reason I wanted to share it with you was because I had a, a similar experience on my sabbatical. Not, not quite like that. But I was in Diorio's Pizza Pub in... You're going to think, well, H.L. was drinking himself into oblivion. Actually, I was picking up pasta and meatballs. But I was sitting at the bar when this song came on. And, and this was week two of my sabbatical. And for those of you that don't know me, hi, I'm H.L. I'm the lead pastor here. and I've been on sabbatical for eight weeks. Uh, I lost two very close family members to COVID and had a traumatic near-death experience this year. And it's just, it was just a really challenging year with all the other stuff, the challenges of being a pastor and the challenges of the age of COVID and the challenge of relationships and money and finances and health and everything else. And I was kind of losing my gourd. And so I, I took this sabbatical. And, and the first two weeks, I kept, I kept fighting to say, is this thing working? Like, like that, it was, it was a real struggle and there was some anxiety in me. Is, is this sabbatical working? Is it going to work? Is it going to work? Is it going to work? And this moment occurred at Diorio's. And this is a picture of their, of their main floor. And I was sitting in one of these tan bar stools here when this song came out over, over their system. And it immediately reminded me of the feeling I see watching this guy's videos. I don't know if you guys have seen Dogface's video of him drinking ocean spray cranberry juice and riding a skateboard listening to Fleetwood Mac, but it became viral, a viral hit, because everybody loves the feeling associated with it. And something happened when this song played where I just I felt something. Some, I don't want to say anything broke off of me, but something stirred in me. And I immediately thought of this guy, and then when the guitar solo hit, I thought, man, I've got to know this song. And so something inside of me is just feeling this song, right? And I can't explain that except to say that, like I said, something turned over or rolled over in me. And I had to know what this song was, but I had left my phone in the car. You know, most of you probably know nowadays, you can ask your iPhone, Siri, what song is this? And hold it up in the air, and it'll tell you what song it is. And if not, there's an app called Shazam that you can just hit Shazam, and it'll listen to the song and tell you what song it is. So I'm scrambling for my phone, and it's not there. It's out in the car, and I know that by the time I get out to the car and get back in the car, the song will be over. And so I turn to the, bar, the bartender, and I say, hey, man, do you have a phone that you could ask what song this is? And he says, I got you, man. Like, he's, he's, he, he, gets, he gets it, Right? So he, he runs back in the office. The office is, uh, hold on, here we go. There we go. The office is to the left here. He runs over there, grabs his phone, and he walks around the, the restaurant like this. And he says, it's not working. 
And so he, like, he's on a mission now, right? He, he, get, he gets me. And he runs back to where the, the receiver is, and he cranks the music so loud that everybody in the whole restaurant turns and looks like, what's going on here? And he's walking around like this. And finally, he looks at it, and he says, this is Wild Blue by John Mayer. And something happened in me in the relational aspect of what occurred between me and the bartender in that moment. Like, he understood the need for when you, get, when you hear that song, you got to know what that song is. And he, he pointed at me when he said it. He said, I got you, man. And it was like we were brothers. <laughs> like, some, something happened between us. And there was this just deeply human moment. And I, I could get emotional about it right now. But that little thing that occurred was just what I needed in that, in that moment. And from that moment on, I decided I'm going to stop asking the question, is this working? I just, I, I just, when I was tempted to think, am I going to be okay? Am I going to recover? Can I continue? All the, all the questions that have been in my head for so long, I just thought, I'm not going to think about those things. I'm going to, I'm going to watch for these, these musical moments, these magic moments between people, this magic moments in nature, connecting with God. And I created a space in my house where I could go hide and listen and I can't, I, I, I still to this day don't, I'm not going to answer the question, did it work? Um, uh, some people are asking me, how did it go? And there's kind of this, so how did it go? <laughs> like, like, and, and, and I'm hearing good feedback from you guys, like this is exactly what you needed. And I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate Rusty and Becky and Paul and the rest of the team and Booker and, and Chris Mueller and all you guys firing this thing up and keeping it rolling on all cylinders and keeping things moving. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And if you guys get a chance to thank these people, make sure you do because they have other jobs to do and they worked really hard. I can think of several moments in my life where music, weird sermon today. I'm going I'm to talk about music and the muse and inspiration and these moments. And I had this one moment where I was at Cornerstone Music Festival. I, I attended Cornerstone Music Festival from 1994 until it closed down in 2013, 14, something like that. And this is actually main stage, and main stage is built in a, a natural bowl. So there's hills, like I was on the hill taking this picture, and there's hills all in a big semicircle around this. So they could, they could fit 15,000, 18,000 people in this hill pretty easily. And it was my second year there, so it would have been 1995, I think. And for whatever reason, that whole festival that year, I was lonely. I just felt so lonely, and I couldn't, I couldn't place why, because I was surrounded by friends and surrounded by people and good music and but I just felt cruddy, cruddy about life. And I'm sitting on this hill when a band called Iona is playing. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Iona, but they're a Celtic band and just, just phenomenal, just exceptional musicians, write exceptional songs. And at the close of, this, of their, I want to say the service because it felt like a church service, at the close of their set, they played the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross and went into the lyrics. And, and I, I was laying on the grass staring at the sky and it was just, the sun was, sun was setting and there was a cool breeze, and, there were, and I had just eaten a, a uh, Pizza Hut personal pan pizza because those were really big in the 90s, and that was a big moment, right? And I'm sitting there staring at the sky when they get to the second verse that says, See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such a love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? And I remember watching as a stream of fire. <laughs> this is going to sound... Nuts for just one moment. A stream of fire shot across the sky, 
about, and I'm sitting there surrounded by people. Everybody's listening to the music, and I'm looking at the sky, and I may be the only one. And then it goes, and it's a firework. And the Cornerstone Festival every year on, on July 4th, this happened to be July 4th, would do, a cor- would do a firework show. And they happened to launch it right at that moment. And so now while they finish their set, this fireworks display is going on overhead, and we're all oohing and on while Iona finishes this just magnificent piece of music. And I remember not feeling lonely for the rest of the festival and not feeling lonely much after that. There, God did something in me in that moment. The, the combination of the music and the lights and the people and the food and everything else just reinvigorated me. It renewed my spirit. It reminds me of the, one of my favorite quotes from any movie ever. It's, it's a horrible movie. It's just, it's, it's amazing, awesome, and ridiculously awful all at the same time. It's Joe versus the Volcano with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. I don't know if you've seen it, but at one point, he's coming out of his shell. He's been living under fluorescent lights with a headache for years, and he's quit his job, and he's eating at a restaurant with this beautiful lady, and he calls a mariachi band over, and he looks at her, and he says this. He says, I bribed them to sing us a song that would drive us insane and make our hearts swell and burst. And I think of that, I don't know why that, that, that quote registers with me so powerfully, but I, every now and then I'm just driving down the road and I'll hear music in my car. And I've, I've invested in my sound system. I'm, I'm that dude from the 90s with the mullet that still has the rock and kick subwoofers in his car. And every now and then this quote comes to mind because music has this power for me. It may not for you. I have a sister that if it ain't Johnny Cash, she ain't listening to it. I mean, music just doesn't do much for her. But music for me... it it makes my heart swell and burst sometimes. And so I'm saying all that to say something about inspiration and the need for inspiration in our lives and the need to seek inspiration. There's this quote from the movie History of the World Part One where Caesar is laying on his couch and he stands up and he says, the muse is upon me, bring me a small liar. And they bring him this real short dude that's saying, the check is in the mail, I wasn't even there, which is really, really dumb. But the muse is upon me is, is something we've, we've all been, been somewhat familiar with, is the concept of the muse. And the muse were nine nymphs in Greek literature that turned into deities of sorts. And they were they, the, uh, bards and poets and playwrights would, would pray to these muses prior to the creation of their, their works of art and just ask for direction. And, and that, like I said, there were nine of them. And, and poetry was a little different back then. If you've ever seen the movie Spartacus, there's a, a scene where, I can't remember his name, An- Antonius, they, they want him to sing a song. And he's going to sing a song. And he gets up and he does this. He goes, when the blazing sun hangs low in the western sky, when the wind dies away on the mountains and everybody gets real quiet. And a song was not a song. A song was poetry. It wasn't until later that poetry and song came together. The music, the music came together into song that we can say, it makes our hearts swell and burst. There was, instru- there was obviously uh, instrumental music and, and vocal music, but it wasn't until uh, later that we, we came to know when we say a song that it wasn't poetry. But, so you'll recognize and there's a lot of music missing in the list of the, of the muses, but one muse was in charge of epic poetry, one was in charge of the, the recording of history, one was in charge of flutes and music. Comedy and pastoral poetry, does anybody know what pastoral poetry is? What's that? Funny it's a funny pastor, right? And so the muse is upon me. <laughs> or not, depending on how you view things. I looked it up today because I didn't know what that was. Pastoral poetry is poetry where the, the poet was fantasizing about moving out into the, 
the woods in a pasture. And so there was this idea of getting away from modernness and moving out back out into nature. I had no idea. I thought that was pretty interesting. Tragedy and dance and love and lyric poetry. Lyric poetry is basically what we would describe as encompassing most poetry. It's what we're feeling and thinking about at the time. And sacred poetry and, and astronomy. So each of the muses were, were the, the nymph slash deity slash god goddess over one of these categories. So so a particular dance, I see, I see Sarah Parker in the back, and, and Sarah is, is a dancer. And so there would be, a, if she lived in, in Greek times, there would be a particular muse before she did her TikTok video that she would pray to to inspire her dance. And it's, it's more than just inspiration. It was like a religious thing going on. And, but you'll notice one word in here that ties into the muse, and that's music. And so the, the muse, when we talk about the muse, and I, I want to relate it to music because music contains so much about inspiration. And I, I made a list of what I think music is, and music is science, first off. It's, it's simply waveforms in particular patterns that reach your eardrums in particular ways and tap into your central nervous system in particular ways. I mean, there's, there's a lot of science to it. It's math. Music is math. And, and, and even, a, even a songwriter would tell you that there's a certain pattern that you follow. There's chorus, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, verse, and, and it's, it's pretty common. And and if you're going to mess with that pat, if you're going to mess with that math, you better have good reason to do so. And there's good reason to break the break the rules, but you have to break the rules with a purpose because otherwise it's discordant and it has the opposite effect on you. The science, the way it hears your eardrums and it interacts with your nervous system is there's there's like this. It's almost like universal laws of how it has to work. If you change time signatures in the middle of a song, it you better know what what you're doing and why. And so there's a lot of science to it. There's there's rhythm and order, and there's melody and harmony and diversity and joy and fellowship. And it expresses love and romance and brutal truth. You can sing songs about love and romance. You can sing songs about the cosmos. You can sing songs about God. You can sing songs about your lover. Or you can sing songs about rage against the machine and hatred and angst and nirvana. And it allow, it, music creates this really amazing place that encapsulates all of human emotion, like the expression of all of human emotion. It's... it's it's a pretty beautiful thing for that reason. Purpose and being, inspiration, brother and sisterhood, and healing and soothing. I'm sure all of us have experienced some kind of healing or soothing or calm in response to music at some point in our life. And so, I admit, somebody, somebody, somebody told me yesterday, you've had eight weeks to prepare, this better be a good sermon. <laughs> they, they were kidding. I think. <laughs> but why? Like, why, why talk about this? Why talk about music? And I thought more and more about, like, and, and I, I really tried not to think much about any of this over sabbatical. But prior to that, and, and somewhat during it and during this week, I've thought about this passage from Ephesians where it talks about what ministers are supposed to do. As a pastor, what is your job? And it says to equip his, 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 God's people, not the pastor's people, his people for works of service. And the, the, the Greek word, this word service is diakonias, and we'll, we'll probably be diving into this word quite a bit. I'm, I'm considering exploring a, a degree in biblical, biblical language at this point because I just have a passion and hunger for it, and I think it's helpful. But diakonias, there's, there's a lot of ways to describe it, and it does mean service, and it does mean ministry, but it, it kind of sums up helping where help is needed. And so, really, what it says a pastor's job is, is to prepare people and equip people, whether it's John or Lynn 
or my wife, Kara, is to equip them to help where help is needed. And when I, when I started thinking about music and motivation and the music, so the muse, whatever the muse is for you, there's, such, there's so much power in creating space in your life to be motivated because motivation and inspiration are foundational. And so when I say, let's turn to the music or let's sing, I'm, I'm speaking literally and figuratively. Music itself, the, the science, the rhythm, the, the order, the harmonies, the melodies is, is a powerful thing that you can use in your life to inspire you. But that's, that may not be your gig. So what I'm talking about is dedicating some of your time, some of your energy, some of your resources to seeking inspiration. And for example, let's say, let's say you want to get in better physical shape. Chances are, if you're going to get in better physical shape, what's it going to start with? It's going to start with some kind of motivation. It's going to start with some kind of purpose that's been instilled in you and some, some desire to be in better shape. If you're going to be a recording artist, something has inspired you. If you're going to get your finances under control, something has inspired you. And so inspiration and motivation are foundational for everything that it means to be a thriving human being. So when I talk about why, and we talk about equipping people for works of helping wherever help is needed, all the categories of your life that would help you thrive are are categories that would make you a better human being when it comes to serving others and loving others and loving God. When it comes to increasing and encouraging your relationship with God, it starts with some kind of motivation. It starts with some kind of desire or hunger. And so what I'm focusing on today is the stirring up of desire, the stirring up of motivation. And as it turns out, this, this stirring up, this, this music thing, music is found all throughout Scripture, so it turns out it, it happens to be quite biblical. In Ephesians 5, it talks about how, how the Adelphos, the, the, the brotherhood of Christians, the brotherhood and sisterhood of Christians should, should relate to one another, and this is what it says. It says, we should be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, to the Lord with your heart. And as we read these, so music, the muse, and the expression of the muse, as we, as we read these, you can also, you can take it literally, and you should, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing is something we do together as, as friends and as, as part of a church family. But there's also this like figurative meaning of like the expression of motivation, the expression of inspiration and, and whatever. I, I think you can take this to baking, for example, or, or reading, or whatever it is that, that, that God wants to inspire and lift up and encourage. And so there's stuff in your life that you can dedicate your time and resources and energy to that will do that. I think that's part of this. It, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch, I confess. But the idea of the muse is found all throughout Scripture. Is anyone cheerful? What should he do? Let him sing praise. The psalmist says, praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. The Hebrew word, I'm sorry, the Greek word, the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew word for music is psalmoi. What does that sound like? It's pretty obvious. So when we, read, when we open the book of Psalms or we read about dancing and singing with Psalms, it's music. It's music. So, so probably, I, think, I think it's the largest book in the entire Bible the book of Psalms, the book of music. And, and in ancient days, the Hebrews would memorize them verbatim. In fact, the longest chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 119, is a song that's written in such a way that would be easily memorized. And I mean, it's, it goes on for page after page. It would be a tremendous task to memorize it, but it was the song that the Hebrew children would learn and know for the rest of their lives. Song has been important throughout biblical theology or the history of biblical theology. 
But then I, I, I read something like this. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. And it begs this question in my mind that says, what does music do for God? Like, why does, why does God care about our praises? Why does God care about our music? Why does God care if we dance towards him? Why does God care if we sing praise or if we address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Like, what, what, what dog does God have in this hunt? And the more I've thought about it, the more I think, you know, we, we talk about God being unchanging, but God being also relational, which contradicts being unchanging because relationship dynamic. Anyway, you can see kind of the junk that goes on in my head, but God is love. And because God cares for us, he's given us this tremendous gift of music. So when we, when we look at the, what, what music is, we can kind of arrive at the, same, the conclusion that God is or promotes the same stuff. So God, God is the God of science and rhythm and order and if you're Trinitarian in your belief system, then you believe God is both melody and harmony, that it's all contained in his character. There's diversity, and he supports and encourages diversity. And I put, I put he promotes because this is like kingdom of God's stuff. God is into this stuff. This is stuff God encourages and desires for your life. And I, I put is, does, because he, doesn't, he isn't quite any of these things. None of, none of them meet the mark in describing the God of eternity. But he does promote these things, and so, so it makes sense that he would desire it, not because he gets charged up by it, or not because somehow it changes him, but because of what it does for us and in us. And so he's into love and romance and brutal truth and purpose and being and inspiration and so forth. I had lunch with my friend Andrew Lutz recently, and he said this. He said, sermon doesn't get stuck in your head, but a song does. There's something magical about song, about music. It's a bulwark against isolation. It's, it's always relational. Try, try, to, try to describe a process by which a song is written and produced and distributed that isn't relational. It's, it's a group thing. When a, when a performer plays for an audience, there's a group dynamic going on. It's, music is, is always going to be relational. I think about movies like I Am Legend and so forth. And What's the new Tom Hanks movie with the robot? Finch, I think. And, one, and in all those movies... They've got a collection of CDs or cassettes that they've scavenged from all the buildings around because in a post-apocalyptic world, nobody is around, but they want the music. And so you find, you find uh, Will Smith's character in I Am Legend listening to Bob Marley. But then I think about the sorrow that there would be knowing that there's no more people around to create the music. So when you play the music, you're somehow connecting with people on an emotional level that aren't even in your space. It's, it's pretty beautiful. If you've ever really, if you ever want a good time, Google or, or go to YouTube and look for movies without music. The Star Wars scene at the end of A New Hope where Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewbacca walk down and receive their medals with the music removed, flat hilarious. You hear people blowing their nose in the background and R2-D2 clanking when he's walking and it's, it's hilarious. And here's, here's a clip from, from Rocky without the music. Imagine Rocky Balboa without the music. Can we all agree something's missing? Right? It just doesn't have the oomph to it. You think about Titanic or any of the epic, Lord of the Rings or what, pick any movie. 
If you're going to do a movie without music, you better know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Because music does something to us that nothing else can. And so here's my thought today. Here's, here's permission to put on a, head, a pair of headphones. And this is, this is what I learned on my sabbatical in this area, is that I need literal music in my life. Like I need, the playlists that I've made are not just supposed to sit there, but I'm supposed to, this is art that I have access to at all times. Over, over Thanksgiving, we sat around the table and we talked about something that we were thankful for that didn't involve a relationship. Because the relationship thing is so obvious, we wanted to do something different. And my brother-in-law, Dylan, he said, he said, I'm thankful that I live in this time and place. And then he went on to talk about justice and racial justice and, and, and kind of some of the things that are churning and, and spinning around in his mind where that's concerned and saying he's really, he's really thankful for how he's been challenged in these areas. Because if you lived 100 years ago, the, the racial situation was totally different, and that's what he was referring to. But, so, which I nodded my head to, I, I agree with. But then after that, I started thinking about how thankful I am. I'm so thankful that we have climate control in our church right now. I'm so thankful that when I, when I turn on water that it runs and it's clean and I can drink it. There's so much to be thankful for in, in modernity that, that we have access to all these things. And one of the things we have access to is basically every song that's ever been written in the modern area, era. You get a Spotify account, you get an Apple Music account, and you've got access to millions and millions of songs. If you get a Scribd account or an Audible.com account, you have access to millions and millions of books. We are rich. We are rich, rich, rich. And some of, the, some of what we need to take advantage of is this music thing or this book thing, is putting the headphones on, taking the time. And you say, but that's a waste of time. I could be doing. I could be producing. I could be... I could be moving forward. I could be working harder at my job or spending time with my family or whatever. Let's go back to the, to the original theme is that motivation is the foundation for just about everything. And I'm, I'm convinced that listening to music, reading books, this list of stuff that I thought of, there's, there's literal music music. There's, it can be baking or counting. I have one of my sons that he's, he's five years old and he loves to count money. <laughs> Don't we all? He comes, he, he comes and he sits in bed with my wife and brings his bucket of change and dumps it out on the bed and counts it. His name's Judson. And, you know, I, I don't know why that does it for him, but who knows what he's going to be with his life? Who, who knows what? But, if, but if, we, if we discouraged that, said don't count the money, that's wrong or, or had some weird, weird idea about money, it might stain him. We need to give him freedom to, to do the, encourage, the thing that encourages him. Oh, I got to fly. I've heard of so many people recently encouraged by reading quantum physics, and you may think, <laughs> no thanks. But when you talk about quantum entanglement, how, how quantum particles, once they, once they collide or connect, they're forever entangled. So no matter how far across geographically they get from one another, when one turns, the other turns. And how everything is connected. And, and there's like this spiritual component to quantum physics. And that may be your gig. That may be the thing that fires you up or maybe the thing you hate having coffee conversation, conversations. Find people that inspire you. I, I, I'm thankful to get back with Rusty. I guess Rusty's in the other building right now. But, you know, sitting with Rusty is always encouraging. And you find, find the people that build you up and encourage you and spend time with those people. Write letters, build stuff, take long baths, read and write, come to church, listen to podcasts. Take time to invest. Be, be motivated today to motivate yourself is what I'm getting at. And then finally, it's this idea that music is me, them, him. Me, them, him. And it's always relational. So whatever the motivation thing is, here's, 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 here's the conclusion. At the beginning, we saw a clip of a guy sitting in a bar, 
that hears a song that nobody else is hearing and thus produces a record that nobody else would produce. I'm asking you to do that in your life. I'm asking you to do this stuff, find the things that get your juices flowing. For Ryan Engler, it's firing up the smoker, right? For Bob Pike, it's building a wall. Not, not, not the, this is not a political conversation. <laughs> it's building, it's build, building a coffee bar. It's, it's, build, it's expanding a stage. That's the stuff that gets his juices flowing. You find that thing. You live in that thing. You exist in that thing. And then God is going to write, create this album with you that is going to affect not only you, it's going to affect them, and it's going to affect your relationship with him to where ultimately you can say, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. And I'm, I mean singing literally and figuratively. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being.